Yo, is this seat taken? Uh, yeah, it is. This week, the seat is taken by Kira Jones. She is a, an actress, yeah, screenwriter, mm-hmm. um, sexual harassment educator, yeah, sexual violence, violence, in general. yeah, educator. an advocate. I work with survivors, yeah, yeah. and just overall badass human. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, it's <laughs> a great way to describe me. I appreciate <laughs> You're it. You're welcome. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to talk about uh, The Right Swipe since yeah. you just launched the second episode. Yeah, it dropped on Black Friday, Black Friday. which was very fun. Uh, I low-key feel like um, people were maybe asleep still when we <laughs> like for, had still in their turkey comas when we dropped it so uh if you haven't seen it yet or if, it, if you didn't catch our, our post it is up uh, along with our uh pilot uh so the first episode uh is up as well on uh otv which is a platform for artists of marginalized identities to host their you know web series short form content um and it's really awesome. The website is weareo.tv. Um, there's so it's our show and a bunch of other like dozens and dozens of other really awesome shows made by like queer people of color, uh, women of color, uh, just people who generally don't get their work um, on mainstream platforms because uh, racism, sexism, transphobia, homophobia, whatever have you. Um, obias. Yes, obias, <laughs> isms. Whatever, uh, but we have uh, a space which is really dope, and it's Chicago uh, based, uh, which is also really cool because I feel like the film industry doesn't always take Chicago no. as seriously as they should. They're like, let's go to LA or right. get some theater people from New York. Yeah, like, <laughs> why though? Like, there's so many really talented people here, and honestly, especially like the web series content that's coming out of Chicago mm-hmm. is like way better than the stuff coming out of new york and la because i know this because i have to i've been going to a lot of film festivals with the rights white and with some other web series that i acted in and i'm like yo like most web series are trash Mm. and um (laughs) i get the feeling so and having traveled to new york and la um new york not so much but la there seems to be kind of this people's um the genesis of people's ideas for independent web series and films is like oh like what's trendy like what's gonna get me noticed like what's gonna get me an agent um and they don't actually really formulate a a story that you know is unique or that people really want to see what i keep seeing over and over again is and you know this be happening in chicago and stuff too is just like the the um basic storyline of being like four actors who are just trying to make it in LA and like <laughs> hijinks ensue and I'm like I don't ever want to see any version of that fucking web series ever again <laughs> throw it in the trash like I don't care it's been done 150 times yeah um, it's like everyone's trying to make it yes everyone everybody everyone's it, trying to like just like eat and pay their rent right like, from the job you know because... not be stuck in traffic for, yeah like, 40 hours a day <laughs> um so that is really your day it, really irritating any version of 
oh, people just trying to make it. I don't want to see that web series. Yeah. But um, in Chicago, I really get the feel that people, you know, artists are like, I have this story that I think is really important that isn't being told. Um, and so that's why I'm making this. And so that's why the content ends up being like so much better because just like the place from where people are creating from. And it's not that way in Chicago, uh, sorry, it's not that way in LA, New York a, a little bit, but they're also so busy just trying not to like starve to death or like yeah. get eaten alive by rats. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, those rats are big. They are They're like fucking dogs. I've seen pictures. They're nasty and like the, they don't have alleys, so they just put their fucking trash on. They the street. don't have alleys. It's a disgusting city. It really is. Yeah, they really need to. I mean, I don't even know if they can make alleys at this point. They've gone this long without. Right, it's just stuck. It's just gonna be nasty forever. But that is where my co-creator is right now, Julie Delpre. Uh, so I, was, I shouldn't be talking too much shit because she's you know uh, out there. I was gonna, I was gonna ask. Um, my next question was, can you talk about how Right Swipe started? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so just a little bit of background about the show. So yeah. um, the Right Swipe is a web series that I co-created with my friend Julie Delpre. Uh, about two friends, Indy and Margot, who start a business where they fix men's online dating profiles, but then end up kind of fucking their own love lives up in the process. And, you know, we describe it as a mix between hitch and insecure. It's just like a millennial feminist take on like the traditional matchmaker rom-com. And because, you know, hitch is my favorite movie. I love rom-coms, but I feel like very infrequently do I get to see rom-coms that actually reflect the way that I and like the people in my community and like young people find love and that cat letters. <laughs> um, I knew she was gonna like try to like be a part she of. She wants show to be today. interviewed. <laughs> She's like, "Mom, you laid in bed until noon. Can you come play with me?" Yeah, well, after after this. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, rom-coms is still, I feel like, the um, the idea of the meet-cute, like, oh, like, you bump into, like, your soulmate in the coffee shop, and yeah. then you just fall in love, is what is kind of the the central, like, um, goal, at least. Yeah. Or, or, like, that they try to, like, force-feed us. And it's, like, not realistic. Not that realistic. never happens. No. It, I mean, I won't say it never happens, but it really doesn't. And now, you know, most people are using uh, dating apps. And I, I also kind of feel like rom-coms almost kind of shame dating apps. Like there's always like a yeah. sad friend that's like super single off in the corner that's like using a dating swiping. app. Yeah. Like, you know, only meeting like weirdos. And I'm like, no, no, no. People meet lots of normal, great folks on dating apps. Like I, even if you don't end up dating them, like I met our director, Justin Caselli on a dating app. We met... Like, we had one date, was fine, just didn't go on another date, you know, followed each other on social media, and then, like, two years later, I was like, hey, you want to direct this web series? And he was like, cool. cool. So I met a lot of friends and stuff through there. So, and I think it's also important to think about, like, dating apps has given people a marginalized identity, like, more opportunities to um, meet folks, because it's mm -hmm. like, yeah, if you're, like, a hot, you know, skinny wealthy white person like you can walk into a bar and like get lots of numbers but like you know if i'm in a bar full of like straight white people 
probably nobody's gonna approach me. Like uh, no one is, cause you know, black women are not seen as desirable, especially in a public space. People might even be a, a, like uh, afraid to approach me because they know that like, that's kind of like looked down upon to find black women attractive. Whereas mm-hmm. like, you know, online, like I might get more people who are willing to at least like start a conversation with yeah. me. Even though black women get the least amount of bashes on dating apps. So that was like a bad example, but like I'd say I have more success on dating apps than I do just like being out being in the out. world or like going to the club or like yeah. whatever. So, um, so we're really exploring that, like how people of marginalized identities navigate dating apps. Um, you know, what does masculinity, how does masculinity operate on these apps? How are like men representing themselves in ways mm-hmm. that are like not useful for them? How can they be representing themselves in ways that are better? Um, and just, you know, like traditional fun rom-com stuff in there too, you know, definitely wanted to like keep those elements in there, but really still talking about like real shit, like racism and transphobia yeah. and, you know, um, other social justice issues. Totally. I think that's really important. Yeah. Uh, but your question was, how did, <laughs> how did it start? <laughs> so um, it was an accident. It was an absolute accident. Julie and I were just, it was like a cold February night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. In Chicago, <laughs> terrible. Um, it just started snowing. And we were trying to convince ourselves to go to the club. We're, like, we're gonna go to the club. I we now have just accepted we hate clubs, so we don't try to make ourselves go anywhere. But at that point, we were like, no, we're gonna go to the we're club. Gonna go out. And then it just was too cold, so we were like, no, we're just, we'll just stay here. And so we're at my place, and sometimes for fun, I'll just let um, Julie swipe on my dating app to try to see if you know maybe she'll find somebody that like I wouldn't normally, you know, swipe on, but one time she matched me with a cop and then I was like, you're not allowed to do this anymore. But uh, <laughs> I think she didn't look to see uh, whether they were a cop, but, uh, no. um, but we were just looking through the apps and she, we were just like, yo, like men are so bad at made it, making dating app profiles. They're so awful. Cause like sometimes I'll find a friend's profile, like somebody yeah. that I know uh-huh. and I'll be like, Yo, you are way cuter than this. Like, why did you choose these photos? Like, yeah. why is your bio just like craft beer? Like, yeah, you are an interesting is, person. Like, why don't you even have a bio? Like, yes. I don't swipe. Or, like, you can be like really good looking, and I'll be like, oh, I could see myself like sitting, sitting on, on your face. face. <laughs> oh my gosh, cheeks! That is so funny. But like, you don't have a bio. That is so funny. We yeah, just said is. that. Mine's in the gutter. photographer um that's you know one of her hustles and she's very talented you should you know hire her but she uh she took my headshots um but i was like julie you know you can make so much money if you just like did photo shoots for these dudes and like help them take pictures for their dating app profiles and she was like yeah you know what if you know you wrote their bios for them and i we were like whoa like this could be a really cool business and then we were thinking we're like ah then we'd actually have to talk to men. That's terrible. We don't want to do that. <laughs> what if it was a website? 
web series instead. And so we literally just sat down and wrote, wrote the like at least the outline for the first season. On a that cold, night. snowy yeah. February Chicago and, night. Yeah, and honestly, like the the season because we we have now written like all five episodes of the of the season and it really didn't change very much from nice. that first night so. it just like worked out really well yeah i love i love when that stuff happened yeah it. it was really great and like you know but it was both julie and my first uh, first foray into like film production like i've been on a lot of sets like as an actor but mm-hmm. it was my first time like getting something that i wrote made mm-hmm. um and so i learned so much it was like a really a process a learning process trial by fire uh and filmmaking is very very hard but we you know had a script that a lot of people really reacted to and wanted to see made and that made it a lot easier because you know we would just kind of like tell people what our project was and maybe share you know the script or our you know series bible or whatever just a little bit of content people were like oh my god this is so great like how do i get involved with this and so we have a really dope team full of uh women and people of color and queer people Uh, we're hashtag no straight well hashtag team no straight white men um so (laughs) that's been a really great experience because Uh, i i I was have not been on another set that's like that (laughs) i was just telling one of my co-workers that I have a, t- a weekly time limit as to <laughs> how much I can handle being around or listening to cis white men talk. Oh, God. Especially film, cis white filmmakers. And, no. well, especially in the industry, too, where it's like... Oh, they think they know everything. They think they know everything. <sighs> the blind privilege and just like that being just so rude and I I it was like Friday and I was like I hit my limit like yesterday (laughs) (laughs) that's a really you gotta protect your energy especially like those type of people Mm -hmm. I don't even really I am very fortunate that I do actually not interact with straight cis white men very often like in all my jobs there's just not that many of them around so they don't bother me too much it's white women that I have to like probably put a like a time limit of like my interactions with, especially ones that I don't being know in very your, well. Being in your current yeah. industry. Yeah. Yes. Like uh, all of my industries with like yeah. filmmaking and with like, you know, working in higher education, especially around like sexual violence. Yeah. Like, ooh, the white feminism and like that field yeah. is like, insane. Totally. Um, and it's really those types that are like stealing my energy and like the mm-hmm. you know the white tears when you try to pull out like you know oh kindly call out something like problematic that they did and um yeah, yeah. Didn't do anything. yeah right it's it's really violent um so yeah i do like the white the, you know obviously i'm talking to white women that i like very much and i oh, have you know thank Ju- you julie my co-creator <laughs> you know lo- like love her and uh i have lots of like white female friends that like they like White women that I haven't vetted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. <laughs> so you have to know like what what demographic because people really like drain your energy and are not here, you know, to try to like contribute anything to you and just take things from you. Yeah. Um, and you know, be okay with like limiting your interactions with them as much as you can. I think that's fine. <laughs> totally. Let's get into the first segment. Yeah. Let's do it. Death meal. be your if you knew you were gonna like die tomorrow what would be your last meal 
Yeah, that's a great question. I do love food, so I don't just want to eat as much as possible. Um, but I cannot have gluten. Mm-hmm. I have a gluten sensitivity. That's it's, a major sensitivity, yeah, too, it's right? A, it's a pretty bad one. Yeah. It's starting to get worse because uh, it used to be. So I just actually found out this year that I had it. I think it just developed or either got worse. Um, and it used to be that I could, like, it was fine if I had, like, cross-contamination or, like, trace amounts. But now, even if I have that, at least it'll upset my stomach at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. So if I was going to die, I would just want to eat all the gluten that I, like, couldn't eat. I have to know that I'm going to die immediately after consuming the food or else I'll spend my last few hours on Earth, like, in immense pain. pain. But um, what I specifically want is, so my mom's side of the family is from Trinidad. Mm-hmm. And there's, like... A lot of Trinidad food I can still eat, but, like, specifically, there's some, like, breads that I really want. Um, roti, which, like, it, it's very similar to, like, Indian, Indian roti. roti. Um, and uh, bake, which, like, you can, uh, you can either have it, like, fried or baked. And they will make sandwiches with this, which are, like, breakfast sandwiches. Um, doubles, which are these kind of, like, fried flat breads that um, they stuff with, like, um, curry, chickpeas, and you know, sometimes like you so know, tamarind good. chutney, and like they'll have that for breakfast. Where can so I get like, this in Chicago? Can you I? cannot. Uh, there are no Trinidadians here. Uh, there used to be, I actually have a really cute story um, about a Trinidadian restaurant that used to be on the south side. It was called Cafe Trinidad, and it closed. It's not uh, there anymore. I'm really IP. sad about it. Um, but I went um, to Northwestern at the time. I was a student at Northwestern, okay. which is like in Evanston, very far very from the yeah. But I was like, yo, like I miss home. I'm homesick. Like I want some Trinidadian food. So my friend and I like journeyed from afar from, you know, Evanston to like, it was probably like 79th or something like that. Yeah. That's a trip. Yes. And we uh, checked the website before we went and it said that they closed at nine. And we got there at like, 805 and we walk in and uh the employees were like oh sorry we're closed and we're like closed like i said on the website you were open till nine like oh we forgot to update it and we were like oh we came all the way from evanston and they were like you came from evanston it's okay we'll make you roti oh. <laughs> so like they like stayed open let us eat that's, so hus- that's hospitality yeah They're like oh no just sit yeah. down we and got you <laughs> they, it's funny because we're normally half Trinidadian but I look exactly like my grandma on, on the Trinidadian side so I walked up to order food and they just looked at me and they're like you're a Trini and I was like how did you know that is that is that the verbiage yeah Trini? Mm-hmm. yeah Trinidadian or Trini. Trini um and I was like yeah they're like your face we just know uh-huh. <laughs> like, uh, so I probably also helped them like they open the oh, my, my one people yeah. one, one of us Came so, from Evanston. Yeah, Chinese, oh. they're very kind and very, like, great yes. with hospitality. That sounds like um, But the closest thing I can get to Trinity food is, I mean, there's definitely, you know, very strong similarities with, like, West Indian Caribbean food across, you know, that diaspora. Like, there's a lot of similarities with, like, Puerto Rican food and um, ja- Jamaican food is probably the closest I can get. So if I'm feeling mm-hmm. homesick, I'll go get some Jamaican food. But it's not, you know, quite the, same. the same. And Jamaicans are not as hospitable as Trinis, but it's kind of funny. It's one of those things where you're like, oh, if this if they're too friendly at this Jamaican restaurant, like, the food's going to be nasty. Like, they, you need, they really? need to be rude <laughs> they or, else you, or else the food, like, your, your beef patty is going to be soggy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, awesome. so that was my death meal, but I would have to die immediately after eating it. Okay, lots of bread. I like it. Um, 
can we talk about your other career? Sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I work, um, so I do uh, a lot of work around like sexual violence, prevention education, honestly, like general comprehensive sex education and um, like working, and I also do work directly with survivors of domestic violence, sexual violence um, and stalking. Um, I mostly do it at Northwestern University with students. I'm the assistant director of a department up there that is, you know, confidential, uh, intersectional feminist, sex positive, like all the great things Mm -hmm. that you should be getting from, you know, trauma work around these topics, but that doesn't exist a lot of the time. It does not. Um, And then I also do trainings um, with faculty, staff, and students around, you know, consent and um healthy relationships and you know supporting survivors anything like on the topics of like healthy sexuality sexual violence prevention um and then i do that same similar work with organizations outside northwestern whether those are like arts organizations nonprofits, like even just like businesses that like need, you know, sexual harassment or violence, um, education, education. I've done it for, I haven't done it for a restaurant, but I did get to do a really cool webinar with, with Chicago style about I remember it. That. I was yeah. like, Oh, I know that person. That was me. I was like, my worlds are colliding right now. Yeah. <laughs> because I was in the industry for a long time for 10 years of my life. I like, this is the first, I think, honestly, full year that I've been out of the industry. And and actually not even really, because I started training at this restaurant at the beginning of this year. And I got really sick because of the gluten. And it was like a new restaurant that was opening. It was like such a hot mess. that I was like, goodbye. And I ran away. So I never actually started working there. Um, I just started training and they never paid me for that training, but whatever. uh, so like I really I haven't been in the industry in about a year, but like also I've been in I had been in it since I was fifteen, and so the way that like sexual harassment and violence operate in like those types of workplaces is different than like you know a desk job or nine to five. Yeah. Like the power dynamics are different. Yeah, you have customers that you're thinking about. Like you know what are those interactions looking like that you know you don't really have to worry about in mm-hmm. you know different industries. So it was cool to be able to use, you know, my knowledge about um, sexual violence combined with like my experience in the industry. Um, Same thing, you know, with arts organizations. That's why I get called in to do that kind of work because they're like, yes, we can get some organization who does these trainings to come and talk to us, but they're not going to necessarily understand the nuances of like how it works in a theater space or how that works, you know, in a restaurant and like you do. Yeah. So it's, um, it's completely, it's very different, different all across. Yeah. As different someone industries. Yes. So someone yeah. who has worked in many different industries, like it, it, it is so specific to certain communities and certain workplaces. Totally. So you have, you can't just give, your like blanket like mm-hmm. one size fits all presentation no. we just we um so i don't know if you're familiar with this law that just passed for illinois but they're requiring every bar and restaurant to do sexual harassment prevention training and which they should which they should but it's it great good training but we just i just had to go through one and it was orchestrated by a lawyer and it was the most cut and dry training I 
still have ever done and i was just like this it it can't be done by a lawyer no it needs to be done by like a professional for like you for instance that like possibly has worked in restaurants but is also like a professional navigating those murky waters of you know actually helping survivors yeah i mean i think it's important to know the law and like any good um facilitator presenter like in this field would also know the Mm -hmm. law but like a lawyer is really just going to come at it from the perspective like this is what you have to do to make sure you don't break the law and i'm like that's the bare fucking minimum yeah like yeah it's like no like yeah of course we don't want to break the law but at the same time it's like you're actually like dealing with like people with like emotions yeah like lawyers are very emotional emotionless Mm -hmm. i I had a hard time saying that word just now but (laughs) yeah emotions and law aren't yeah. they don't really go together but you know at, at least in certain circumstances totally but um so yeah it's not helpful because it's like okay don't break this law but it's like how do i especially if you are you know i want to make we all live in a rape culture where like things that are actually sexual harassment or, or sexual violence are like normalized and not seen yeah. as that so if you totally. aren't even like breaking that down for people like letting them know like hey this these behaviors are actually not appropriate, yeah. especially in this workplace. Like even like the what you know, hugging or touching people in certain ways yeah. like, without their consent could be considered sexual harassment, yeah. and somebody could be doing that behavior really without the intent yeah. of harming that person, but it's, it could still feel harmful to them. And you have to like be able to explain that to folks, or even just like a joke. If like a joke offends mm-hmm. me and it's sexually charged, then that's like harassment. Yeah, and it's all like up to the person on the receiving end to like a if they are feeling uncomfortable and then be like speaking up about their uncomfortableness. Yeah, exactly. And so if you're not having a conversation about consent, then like you're not even giving people the tools to not break the law because they don't even know how to make sure that they're, you know, like, and then you have the reaction from usually like men that are like, so I can't do anything. I can't like look at women. I can't like, no, no, you can, can you, Sit down and you, listen. Right, sit down just and like listen. listen. But also just yeah, if you want to hug somebody, ask, ask them. Yeah. Like And if know? it's not a fuck yes, then it's a get the fuck off of yeah. me. Yeah. Or like <laughs> if you want to tell a joke, be like, hey, I'm gonna tell this joke. Like, are y'all cool if I tell kind of a sexual joke? Not somebody might say no or they might excuse themselves. Like I'm like, cool. Then yeah. tell the joke to Bob over there who like wants to hear your gross to Bob dick and joke. Chad. Yeah. Like, but you know, consent is not that hard, but like if yeah. you especially having certain identities where it's like you just are allowed to kind of do whatever you want and you've never had to think about that you know somebody needs to introduce that Mm -hmm. to you um in a comprehensive way which i'm sure a lawyer is not gonna do the lawyer didn't even talk about consent and i had to be like we need to talk about consent first and foremost i like raised my hand but yeah yeah Mm -hmm. so i'm glad that that law's in place but like they need to like restaurants need to actually do research about like who's the best person to be giving totally totally let's get into this next segment it is your guilty pleasure drink so what is that drink that um is like kind of your guilty pleasure whether it be like it the drink specifically has like a certain stigma around it or maybe it's just like not the best health wise or a good question um probably um milkshakes 
Milkshakes. Yeah, they're so, they're <clears throat> so bad for you, but they're I love so them. good. And my little brother uh, is obsessed with milkshakes, and he gets a he calls it Milkshake Fridays, and he'll get a milkshake every Friday. So, he gets a milkshake every single Friday. Yeah, and or he either makes one or goes to get one. <laughs> And so if I'm with my brother on a Friday, we'll get him a shake. So we just got one because he was here Black Friday. Oh. So we went to Lickety Split. So that's a custard shop up in. Isn't it um, up north? Yeah, it's like uh, it? Rogers Park-ish. Roger, Rogers Park, like, like Edgewater. Edgewater? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard of this place. Yeah, I, it's really good. Because I have a couple of friends that live in Edgewater, and they keep posting about it. I'm like, man, one day I'll make my way up there. Yeah. I, mean, I live in Logan, so for me to... Get. Don't go up there just for the ice cream, yeah. Cook, but like, if you were up there, well, definitely go get it. I've been meaning to like make a day of like a culinary experience of up north and just like going up there. There's but good food up north. There is. It's so interesting because like I feel like people who live up north are like down to go wherever, but people who live like south and west are like will not go to the north side. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what? Like they're such and they they like have all these weird ideas about the north side like especially like pe- people of color like no people of color live on the north side i'm like that's, that's not false. true like that's, that's really false that's very false yeah like there's a lot of people of color all over the north side but especially like uptown and rogers park yeah. and um you know especially because i live in uptown it's a lot of african and asian people mm-hmm. um and so there's really good food around there like lots mm-hmm. of great ethiopian food nigerian food Vietnamese food, Thai food, Chinese food, like, yeah. dope shit. You got it all up there, for yeah. sure. Like, Ar- Argyle. Yeah. Argyle. Fuddle. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I'm, I love the north side. I mean, I can't say, I've, I've lived, I've only lived in different places on the north side. I've never lived on the south side. And I, I, I like, I like all the parts of Chicago. There's parts um, that I really connect with in, in each area, but mm-hmm. I feel like people, like, the North Side has like a shitty rap, and they also like are always, um, especially in terms of like art things or like political things or like resources. They're like, oh yeah, we want to be able to access people of color, so we need to put this on the South Side. And I'm like, yes, I think absolutely like put things on the South Side, but like don't assume that there's no people of color anywhere else. Yeah, <laughs> so. totally. I mean, you can assume that like maybe in, for the most part in like. Um, Wrigleyville. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Nah. And, like, you, you know, I mean, there are people of color everywhere, honestly, but, like, if you're, like, looking for a concentration of people of color, it's going to be, like, Uptown and um, and Rogers Park. Yeah. North Side speaking. Yeah. For sure. Awesome. I think it's, like, the North Side is, like, diverse. Like, it's, like, there's lots of different mm-hmm. people of color and culture mixing, whereas, like, the, the other parts, it's just, like, it's very, very segregated. Like, yeah. I mean, Chicago's very, very segregated, but Super segregated. it feels less segregated on the south side. I mean, on the north side. On the north side. Yeah, yeah totally. Totally. <laughs> I definitely need to make my way up there. It's I just, true. I'm, like, west, but also kind of, Like, I'm not, like, south. I'm, like, pretty north. Mm-hmm. I'm, like, yeah. middle. Yeah, you are, yeah. But I'm... Pretty west, so for me to go like all the way east and then all the way north, it's like it's a little bit of a trek, especially in the winter. It's like I'd rather just like oh, yeah. do that in the summer where I could like get fit and ride mm-hmm. my bike. Yeah. Oh god, <laughs> getting out of Chicago in the winter, it's like the worst thing. It's the worst. Especially if you, I mean, even if you have a car, because you gotta like shovel shit, you know, your car out of the snow or I don't whatever. Understand 
why people even own cars and don't have the privilege of having a garage. Like that's the yeah. only way I would ever own a car in this city is if I had the enough money and the privilege of owning a garage yeah. because Whereas, I know myself and that shit would have a fucking boot on it within like the first month of me mm-hmm. getting a car. Yeah. <laughs> and it's interesting because I've lived in a couple places where you either could have like a spot in the back that was like reserved for you if you paid a certain amount of month or like my current building, they have a garage, a parking garage and it's like a hundred dollars a month. Like it's not cheap, but it's like the same price as like a CTA like pass. Yeah. Um, and people are like, no, I'm not going to pay that. I'm just going to like park on the street and like the amount you're going to pay in tickets and yeah. shit is going to be yeah. as much as like just paying. For yeah. The you have spot. to, you have to factor in like, how much is the ticket? Like 75 bucks. That's one of the cheaper ones. One of the cheaper more, ones? Yeah, it can be more than that. This is how uninformed I am about owning a car in this city. Yeah, or if your <laughs> car gets towed, like that's hundreds of dollars. Oh yeah, I've had so, my car towed before. So I would, I don't, Back I don't when I have foresee one. myself ever owning a car in this in this city. Um, sometimes I think about it, I'm like, it could, especially because I work at Evanston. Sometimes it could be useful, but at yeah. the end of the day, it just seems like more of a hassle. Yeah. I just see my friends who own cars and all the shit they have to go through. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm good. I'll just Uber. It's too much of a hassle. Yeah. I, um, the only time I ever really, like, I'm like, damn, I really wish I had a car right now is when I'm doing multiple errands yes. in a day. Yeah. And then it's like, I have all these bags. Mm-hmm. I have to Uber to and from. And I've honestly been using Car2Go, but they're getting rid of Car2Go in Chicago. Oh, damn. I have Zipcar. I heard so- I'm going to switch to Zipcar, but Car2Go is much cheaper. Mm. Cardigo is literally like $10 for an hour. Mm. I mean, Zipcar's not... I, there's sometimes you can get $8 an hour. Oh, really? Yeah. Awesome. I'm going to switch to that. Yeah, Cardigo had this like huge like thing going on where like a couple months ago someone hacked their app mm. and someone was stealing all the cars. Holy shit. And they like shut down the app in Chicago for like a week and I was like, well... I'll, like, save all my errands to the end of the month and, like, do all of that at the end of the month and do it in, like, one swipe. Mm -hmm. And it will be, like, a four-hour thing for me. Yeah. And that was not my week, so I was like, whatever. And then, like, last month they announced that starting January 1st, they're no longer going to be in Chicago. Yeah, that motherfucker ruined it for everyone. They apparently lost a lot of money from that whole situation. Dang. (laughs) That's but good way to go whoever was smart enough to hack the app in steel cars. Like, yeah. Like, kudos to that person. You are very smart. Yo. Can you figure out a way to hack into people's student loan debt? For real, though. <laughs> I dated. Those are the important things that matter right now. <laughs> yeah. I dated a hacker for a minute. Oh. He never uses hacking shit for, like, anything good. good. Like, he told me he would, like, do some hacking shit for me. Like some vigilante shit to like fuck with this guy who was like a sexual predator and he like never did. And then they broke up with me and like, see, what? Like, how are you gonna. <sighs> why don't hackers do anything for the good of humanity? They why <laughs> why is it? It's ego. It's always for themselves. Yeah, they steal cars. They, you know, <laughs> like harass people. But it's like, you could just like cancel everybody's student loans or, you know, um, like donate a bunch of money. Like, from like billionaires to homeless people, like do something. Yeah, but, something. Yeah. 
That's fine. It's because like hackers are men a lot of the time. And they are. are selfish. What's that? Ocean's Thirteen. Rihanna was a hacker in that one. Oh, I wish Rihanna ran the world. <laughs> I know. That movie was not that great, though. Did you I see it? I did not see you it. Didn't see uh, it. I haven't seen any of the Ocean's movies. I should. Oh, really? Yeah. There. I mean, um, back when they came out, they were like, I, me and my brother were really into them. But like now, I look at them and I'm like. These aren't even really that great. But, like, when I was younger, I liked them. But. That's always really fun to, like, look back at, like, movies and TV shows that you really liked as a as a kid and then seeing if they, like, actually stood the test yeah. of time. Most of the time, no. Like, Groundhog Day? I fucking can't stand that movie as an yeah. adult. I'm like... Or even just, like, seeing problematic things that you didn't realize. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's how I watch movies now. Yeah. Like, I, like, I can't even watch, like, old... Like, it, that's why Groundhog Day was, like, my perfect example. I'm just, mm-hmm. like... What's his name? What's that like actor's name? Uh, Bill Murray. Bill Murray. He was a complete fucking dick and misogynist to the other woman in in that movie, oh, and yeah. I was They're just like, I hate you. I um used to love the movie Cruel Intentions, and it's horrible, like <laughs> horrible, like as a film, but also like super rapey and like fucked up and all this stuff. And I was like, yo, I didn't know this. Growing up. Same thing with Love Jones, which I think is now on Netflix. It's Love like a Jones. Yeah, it's like a black classic movie. Like I haven't 90s seen thing. it. Yeah, I would not imagine most white people have seen it, but most black people have. It's like one of those things. Should I watch it? You will probably hate it. Um, <laughs> but uh, because I used to think, you know, it's, it's like one of those like black rom-coms that's just like, you know, people champion it as, you know, being like the ideal type of love that you want as a as black people and it's like what like dude was like a legit stalker like he did all this like what? creepy shit like he um so he's a poet the like romantic lead he's played by Lorenz Tate and Mia Long is the lead actress and okay. she goes to this like slam poetry night and he spots her he's a poet and he does this like really creepy graphic like sex poem about her like in front of everybody it embarrasses the shit out of her she does not know this man and i'm like if somebody did that to me first of all i hate slam poetry so if anyone just like directed a slam poem at me i would kick them in the nuts i like some slam poetry Mm -hmm. like i like what like when it's like super on point and kind of woke I hate slam poetry. You, you oh, hate it all. Okay. I, I, I hate you heard it here first. I hate oh, I, I talk about it all the time. I hate slam poetry. Um, so if someone directed a poem at me, I would automatically be mad. But, like, for you to, like, sexual as a strange man, to, like, sexualize me and, like, make, like harass me in that way in, like, a public space is, like, really fucked up. So, of course, she was like, ew. Get the fuck away from me. Mm-hmm. And then she, like, runs into him at a store, and she's still he's still harassing her, and he gets... Her, she like writes a check. This is back in the nineties, and people could like pay for things with checks. Actually, writes a check, <laughs> and he gets her address from off of her check and shows up at her door. No. So I'm just like, what the fuck? Like this is horrifying. Like, oh my god. And we thought this was like cute and romantic in the nineties. No. Cute. If someone showed up to my like, I'm. I feel like too many people know where I currently live because I live in a very, like, high-traffic area, you know? And it's, like, I'm, like, kind of scared sometimes, you know? But I don't know if that's just because of the time that we live in or just because, like, 
I'm just more aware or I, I mean, what came know, first, like chicken or the egg kind of thing, you know yeah, what I mean? I, I don't know, but it just if somebody, especially some dude, especially dude who was harassing me showed up where I live, like that would, I would stab them. Yeah. Part. I really, like, you were threatening my life. Yeah. Like I would go to jail. Yeah. Um, so that's not, not, but it would not be the beginning of a rom com. That's a horror movie. For that's me. Like, you 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 slam poeted at me and then you showed up at my door. That is like my worst nightmare. Fucking <laughs> awful. Get Jordan Peele over here. Really though. Oh, I love Jordan Peele so much. I love that man. <laughs> Um, I, uh, I, he, so I was just telling one of my, my friends last night, like he has this documentary that like not that many people know about. It's like a docu-series on Amazon uh, about Lorena Bobbitt, you know who that is. So like she'll have to remind me the woman, I think it was back in the nineties or early or like late eighties, um, who chopped her husband's penis off and like threw it in a field. Yes. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, because she, but you know that 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 was a huge case and it got really sensationalized. But like people really forget that like she did that because she was being abused. Yeah, and so people always like to look at women like we're crazy instead yeah. of looking at like the whole big picture mm-hmm. of things. It's like no, Especially we're not crazy because she was Latina, so yeah. it's like the you know angry like feisty Latina stereotype, mm-hmm. and then you know people really sexualizing her and all this really wild stuff. So it's a really good documentary. Um, I love to watch Jordan, it. Yeah, Jordan Peele does some awesome stuff. Um, I really love how he has grown as an artist, like on his own outside of Key and Peele. Because honestly, with Key and Peele, not that I didn't like Jordan on the show, but I liked Key and Michael Key better. I think he's maybe just like a better character actor, mm-hmm. but they were both great. But and so I, I assumed when the show ended, I'd probably like what Keegan was doing more than Jordan. And Jordan is just like fucking changing the game like for black artists and keegan has this terrible show on netflix (laughs) called uh friends from college and it's really just like him fucking a bunch of white women and like it's oh it's awful and so i'm like keegan why like jordan keep going (laughs) love it uh let's get into this next segment cool i feel like it's a good segue so this next one is high thoughts Thoughts have you had? You don't have to be high, but just kind of like silly thoughts that you've had going through your mind lately. It could be anything. It's a it's a wide topic. Um, kind of silly. Maybe they don't have to be stupid, but you get the gist. Yeah. I, mm, I feel like okay. So I am single. <laughs> I will probably die alone, which Aww. is fine. And that was not, it was just like me saying a fact. <laughs> um, but, um, and I'm not a very romantic person. I don't develop feelings for people very easily. Like, um, I feel like it's all the opposite. Of people like develop feelings for me very quickly. And I'm just like, oh, sorry. Oh, I'm um, not here for that. <laughs> but when I do like somebody, every three to five years <laughs> it feels like i'm gonna die and it's like that person is like all i can think about and so i 
sometimes when I'm high or not even when I'm high, like sometimes it's just like, I really kind of like spiral into like, okay, well, if we started dating, like, you know, what would our first date be like? And then, you know, oh, you know, if we start, if we started dating, like around the time, you know, it was my birthday, then we'd have to like plan something nice for my birthday. Like maybe we could go on vacation. Like where would we go on vacation? Like, oh, you know, I've always wanted to go um, to Trinidad for carnival, but like, would they be able to, you know, hang, you know, if they're not, you know, West Indian, would they be confused? Like, can I bring this person? like to carnival like they're not even I was just like go like, what our wedding be like you know I really want to have a wedding in New Orleans but like you know this person like their family is from Ghana like you know what if they want to have a wedding in Ghana like I would need my wedding in New Orleans like I, I don't know <laughs> why I through this go like spiral. through it I gotta create a story in my honestly like kind of like a rom-com in my head I feel like I do that too I'm like like you start envisioning things and you almost ruin it before yeah. it even starts yeah <laughs> whereas like with most people it's like I can't even think about like what our next date is going to be because I just yeah. don't even care yeah like, I just don't care about most people I feel my friends especially my roommates because they see you know me getting ready to go on dates and stuff and so my my old roommates could always really tell when I like somebody because most of the time I would be getting dressed up and they'd be like oh are you excited for your date and I'd be like nah. yeah. and then like I'd come back they'd be like how's your date and I'd be like nah. <laughs> and like if I even like brought somebody up like twice or like you know was like oh yeah like oh well this person's really funny they'd be like you are in love with them like and I'm like you are correct. Like, shut up. Shut up. Um, I don't want to talk about it yet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm um, not ready. So those are probably, you know, those are my high and drunk thoughts. I'm not a drunk texter, thank God. Oh. Uh, I don't I, even do, like, I stopped myself from doing drunk Instagram stories mm. recently because. You got You don't know what you're going to say. I'm not a drunk texter. Like, if, if I'm, if I do drunk text someone, I'm just like, hi. I don't, like, <laughs> You don't say, say anything, anything wild, yeah. Um, but um, like, and I also feel like I'm all, I'm almost kind of the opposite because some people when they're like around their crush, they'll get you know have some liquid courage and like you know then go like hit on them or whatever. Yeah. My uh, when I'm drunk, I'm like I'm gonna be meaner to you than normal. Like so, I'm like gonna be like get the fuck away from me, like, <laughs> like, like a little kid. Yeah. So uh, which is like I'm already mean to the people that I have crushes on because like I just don't know how to like uh, process those emotions. I don't feel them very often. Yeah. I'm afraid of um I don't know, not even rejection, but I I feel like I'm afraid of being hurt or like whatever or um, vulnerable yeah I'm afraid of being vulnerable I'm not really afraid of rejection if you're afraid of rejection as like an actor you just never you're, you're just gonna, gonna be, it. yeah, yeah you're gonna die totally. um so I just am like you know what instead of me like putting myself out there and being vulnerable I'm just gonna like push this human as far away from me as possible and they're always very confused um, so, so I need to work on that I need to work on you know Kira if you like someone go be nice to them try being nice to them be kind <laughs> let's get into dms we had like two. Oh yeah okay this is just starting so i don't have that many uh our girl reagan asked hi reagan um what is the hardest part about being in any of your industries okay um filmmaking the hardest part is raising money for sure yeah um filmmaking is super expensive Expensive. Um, so expensive. Yeah. I um, like a, a cheap indie feature film is like a million dollars. 
a cheap one. Like that's like super low budget. A million. Yes. Oh, wow. Um, like you can do it for less than that, but you're gonna be like scrounging. Yeah. Um, in like our web series is like super low budget, mm-hmm. and you we probably spent around fifty grand at this point. Wow. It's just like more than I make in a year. Um, and so just like see, because you know you always talk about how expensive filmmaking is and then you actually have to see it, see it. and pay for it and yeah like, and you're Especially like oh fuck <laughs> you are like not a person of privilege or connection totally. so you really gotta like hustle to get that money like spent be like raising it yourself crowdfunding all this like i can't tell you how many like white men i know who were like oh yeah i just have a rich uncle who like gave me money for this film oh totally uh i don't have a rich uncle okay like one of my uncles is like a public defender and the other one like takes care of my old grandma (laughs) you know they don't have ten thousand dollars yeah so that's just not even an option um so uh, now so raising money i think is the hardest part uh being a filmmaker um Working with sexual violence survivors is just like it's a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's just like hearing the disclosures and stuff. Um, it's really fulfilling to like be able to help somebody, especially totally. like in a situation where maybe they've gone to people for help and been like victim blamed or you know felt like they weren't listened to or, or whatever the situation is, and to be able to provide that space for folks is really like fulfilling. But it can be really draining to like hear those disclosures over and over again and then also just like come up against like systems that are not survivor centered yeah. and that, like you or just being able to have to tell people sometimes like the thing that you want is not possible yeah and it's not me and sometimes they can take that out on you like yeah. real like you know shooting the messenger a little yeah. bit which can be hard especially at a you know uh Northwestern or any like college where like students are already really stressed academically um, and don't really know how to place their anger. Totally. Um, that's for that industry and with um, the rest of our industry, so much. That's why I'm <laughs> not in it anymore. <laughs> Pretty much everything. Yeah. Fucking like the physical strain of it, like having to stand on your feet all fucking day Uh um you know the abuse you get from your managers most of the time Uh the abuse that you get from customers like um especially being a black person in the industry like especially front of house there's usually not very many of us and you know uh i read a study recently that people are less likely to tip black servers appropriately even though they're more likely to have like rated their service high um so it's like oh even if i do a good fucking job like you're still not gonna tip me or like like sometimes especially white people will like complain about black servers more than they will about white servers even if they like didn't do anything like the article i was reading was talking about this one server who was a black man and um the managers the manager there who seemed like a great manager started to notice that like people were complaining about him and for like things that didn't make sense it was like he you know one um 
one white person was like, oh, like our server is like standing there talking to someone where they should be putting our drink order in. And the manager went and looked and was like, first of all, y'all been waiting for your drinks for two minutes. Second of all, the person that he's talking to is our owner. Yeah. Like, you know, he's not just like shooting the shit. Oh, so um, why are you snitching? Right. <laughs> why do you care? Yeah. Um. So just like people are generally like very, have been very unkind to yeah. me in the service industry. And the sexual harassment is ridiculous. And it's just like, I don't even most of the time, even if you like tell your your manager they're just kind of like oh that's terrible sorry like, they don't actually address it they don't so um i'm not about to work in that environment like if you know, uh, like now you know where both the spaces i work in at least like in filmmaking the way i've set my stuff up because yeah. i'm kind of in charge at least uh -huh. with the rights like in some respects and i've like, only hired people that like share my I'm politics like and yeah um and of course like sexual harassment and a, like sexual like violence resource center would be like not tolerated. Um, so I, I don't have to deal with that. I won't say I won't have to deal with that in either space, but like at least I know that like if I do come forward about it, like I will. You'll be, be protected yeah. and supported. Totally. Whereas like I don't, never felt like that in the service industry. Totally. So I just want to end on the last question and I'm going to ask everyone this, but yeah. what change do you wish to see in your industry or industries in your case or even just the world in general yeah before scientists are predicting the end of the world in 2050 yeah. <laughs> um i guess i'll focus on filmmaking for sure. this question um but i would say that like we are giving money because you know that's the most prohibitive part of filmmaking especially for people of marginalized identities that like we are the money the people with the money are giving it to um people of marginalized identities to tell their own stories rather than giving it to white people to tell yeah. our stories or even giving it to like problematic people of color to tell her, so you know, won't name names. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, and if you we, follow Kira, you know who we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we'll, you know, um, and that we just generally will be as, you know, people with marginalized identities will be more critical of the art that's being made about us. Because I think at right, right now we're just at the point where it's so exciting that, like, there's new narratives being told, you know, like, um, you know, black, and I, I'll just speak for, you know, my community black people it's like yeah we've had you know physical like images of us but they haven't always really they've kind of been stereotypical or the same thing mm -hmm. over and over again and so we get like we're like oh this is exciting like we get we're have a film about um i'll just you know make something up like black vampires oh my god i've, I've always wanted to see myself as a vampire that's exciting and then the vampire movie will be shit uh -huh. But then we'll still be like, it's still, it's great because representation, I'm like, no, 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 the film is bad. Like, yeah. Let's talk about the fact that film is bad. Like, yeah. Um, and so I, I would love that to happen more and for there to be more accountability for sometimes, sometimes like, you know, representations and images can be really harmful. Yeah. And so like, we can't just be okay with like putting shit, putting shit out there yeah. and not thinking about like, what communities and what types of people are being harmed by those narratives. So totally. uh, I just want there to be like more room for critique and nuance 
um, in our communities as far as like film and TV go. Totally. And not just like going in blind and be like, Oh my God. Like, yeah. like you said, like, yeah, it's great. Just because like a person of one certain marginalized identity created it yeah. and put it out there in yeah. the world. Yeah. Identity politics are, are bullshit. Yeah. Like, just because somebody is of a certain identity does not mean that like, like they, one know what they're doing or that they're a good person. Like I think that's how we ended up with Lori Lightfoot. Exactly. Like, like, like queer uh, black woman mayor. Yeah. She's like, gonna yeah, it's like, no, she is so problematic. Yeah. And you, if you actually look and dig into the history of like her career, it's like, you would know, but yeah. people are like so blindsided by the fact that she is queer and black and she is Rom in a black lesbian suit. Ugh. So yeah. I just am like, no, 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 no. Don't just assume somebody is good here for you and your community is because they share your identity because sometimes it be your own people yeah so that's what i'll say yeah. that's how i would what i like to change more more people of color and other people of marginalized identities making films and having the resources to do that uh -huh. um in a sustainable way and for audiences to be more critical um of what's coming out and critical doesn't necessarily mean despair exposing of something mm -hmm. like you know you can still enjoy something and know that it has problems and like give that artist like valuable feedback so they can you know move forward um with their career and not make those mistakes again um I don't like being critical of something doesn't mean that like it doesn't have worth or yeah. that like you know the person who made it is like a bad person it just yeah. means like being critical so totally um yeah that's what I'll say awesome well, thank you so much for coming and joining me on this rainy, gross Sunday. Thank you for having Early me. evening now. I know. It's so dark. Uh, um, so Just so everyone knows, it is 4, <laughs> almost 20. Uh -huh. <laughs> and the sun is basically gone. Oh, it's gone. It's not there. The sun was never out. This is Chicago for you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, I'll see you soon.